I uh, always appreciate the opportunity that is afforded one to come and share what's on your heart when Kirk asks me to speak. And um, it's always a joy and a privilege to sit with the Lord and just see what's on his heart. When you do it every week, you kind of get a flow and you know, but when you don't do it every week and you say, Lord, what is it particularly that you want to say today? And when Kirk called me through the week and said, so Dad, have you got a theme for what you want to speak about or do you want to continue on with what we've been doing? I said, I think it's continue on with what we've been doing. And the theme that Kirk has used in the last couple of weeks is made for so much more. Made for so much more. And if you weren't here last week, I want you to do yourself a big favour. I want you to go online and listen to the word that Kirk brought last week. It was one of the more powerful presentations. I mean, I'm a proud dad, but beyond that, it was absolutely right on the money. So if you haven't heard it, if you weren't here last week, go online and listen to it because it is a life-changing message that God presented here last week. So having said that, I just want to go back a little further as I start this morning. The last time I shared here was on the 26th of, or the 27th of July, 27th of July, when the Lord had me bring a word about war and peace. <clears throat> Not the Tolstoy novel, but war and peace as the experience of ours in life as we journey through this time span called our life. And so often we look to escape the war because the war is uncomfortable. And yet when we look at the scriptures and we look at life experience and we look at the history of the world, war is a continuum. So we can't escape war. But what God offers us and promises us is peace in the middle of the war. And so it's not war or peace, it's war and peace going together. But for those of us who walk with Jesus, peace is what we have in our hearts. The war does not determine who we are or how we respond. And also at that time, the Lord was saying, and I remembered saying it because it was one of those Holy Spirit kind of things that happened, we are coming into a new season. And others have echoed those comments and expressed them. And also many people have since talked about this battle that we're in and looking for peace. And so war and peace, connecting to Jesus, finding what we're made for, how much more there is for us, are very much, I believe, on the Father's heart for this season. Amen? Not just for this season, but there's, there are seasons in life, and you know that God does things at times that kind of changes the atmosphere, dials up the temperature, puts the hose on us, or whatever way you want to describe it. But made for so much more. And Thanks, guys. That's up there. Now, I'm, I, for those of you that know me, I am a very old-fashioned presenter. I write my notes and I speak them out. But I got very excited about today's message and I even put some points down and I emailed them to Kirk and said, can you stick them on a PowerPoint? So at some time today, there'll be some points come up. They may be out of sequence from what I'm saying because I'm not controlling it. But they're important points that before you go home today, I want you to write them down or remember them, or do something, because I feel like they are from the Lord for us for today. And I want to start off by saying right up front 
that what the Lord said to me about the message for all of us, for life, for right now, is renounce duplicity. Renounce duplicity. And, and we'll come through what this means and what it stands for and what God is saying out of it, but there's two parts to that. Renounce is something that you have to do. It's not something I can do for you. It's not something that someone else can do for you. But renouncing duplicity is what is in God's heart for you and I because he wants us to be completely and totally only connected to him and to no other gods. And Kirk didn't know all of this when the Holy Spirit spoke to him during worship, but what did he get up and read about? About that time in Acts where the people were getting all excited about all these other gods. Now we think, oh, that happened back then. But guess what? These days we get excited about other gods. We find our lives torn and moved and, and we give ourselves to other than the living God himself. And so renouncing duplicity is the overarching thing that the Lord wants to do today and wants us to have the opportunity to choose today. Now it is a kingdom moment today. I want to say that to you. God sets up kingdom moments and the opportunity is going to be offered today for you to renounce duplicity in your life. And should you choose to do that, should you choose to accept this mission, it will change your life. It will impact you in ways that you may not actually think are good. But believe me, at the end of the day, what God does is good. Amen? That we know. And so the Lord wants, I'm, I'm putting it out there so that you can think about it while we're, while we're reflecting on the word this morning. Because at the end of the day, there's going to be an opportunity for you to do this. Now, I want to give you all of what I think it involves so that you might say, you know what, that is not right where I'm at right now. And that's okay. That will be your choice and it will be deferring something that I believe is really good for you, but that is your choice. I'm not going to put it on you to say you must do this. It's an invitation from God. It's an invitation to say, I am coming to this place, Lord. And when I share some of the story that has been in my life, you might want to run from it and I wouldn't blame you. But if God speaks to your heart today, then so be it. The scripture that I want to use as a as the well what I feel like the Lord pointed out to me and I've got to be careful because it is probably my favorite scripture and uh, it was interesting because um, this morning when we were in for prayer beforehand Grace came in and said I just want to share one word with you before I go back out there she said the Lord has been speaking to Pat and me about a scripture and it's really important for us right now to reflect on she said but I just want to share it with you because it may have relevance and she said it's John 15 1 to 17 I said well that's funny because I'm preaching out of John 15 this morning you don't make this stuff up <clears throat> yesterday morning at prayer as I came here sorry as I woke yesterday morning the Lord put that psalm on my mind psalm 121 I lift my eyes up to the hills where from whence does my help come my help comes from you Lord now I can confess to you that for many years I misunderstood that psalm because I didn't see where the punctuation was. I used to say, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where's my help coming from? 
The scripture, the scripture actually says that's not where it comes from. It comes from you, Lord. So the, the, the way the psalmist writes it, it, if you don't read where the comma is, you get it mixed up. Has anyone else been confused by that? Okay. It's, it's really quite black and white. We look to the hills, but our help doesn't come from there. Our help comes from you, Lord. We're saying, not from anywhere, but you, Lord. Okay? Help can look like it's coming from the hills, but true help only comes from the Lord. So that's, the Lord gave me that yesterday morning as I woke up. I came down here, we have Saturday morning prayer meeting and for those of you that want to come and have some fun on a Saturday morning at 7.30 we meet here and we, we get together for an hour or two and hear what's on the Lord's heart. And I said, so, and I always start off by saying, so is the Lord saying something? And one of the ladies said, well actually the Lord woke me up with Psalm 121 this morning. Oh, that's interesting. It's exactly what the Lord woke me up with. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 121 is on the Lord's heart. So what the Lord is saying to us is, don't look elsewhere for your help. Is that what he's saying? I think he might be. You know, again, you don't make this stuff up. This, this is not, let's find a message in here somewhere. This is the Lord sovereignly speaking to us, bringing us his heart and letting us find what he's saying to us. So the Lord is saying, don't go looking elsewhere for the help. Come to me. I am your ever-present help. In times of war, you will find peace with me. So if we renounce duplicity, we're being invited to connect fully with the fullness of God. Let's, if you have your Bibles, uh, John 15, the vine and the branches. I just want to read verses 1 through 8 for now. This is, in the, this is in the NIV. You also know I love the message, but I thought I'd be traditional this morning, okay? John 15. I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking, okay? These are Jesus' words as recorded in this gospel. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. God in heaven. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Just note that. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. <clears throat> remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine you are the branches. If a man, woman, remains in me and I in him or her, he or she will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Awesome, awesome scripture. And what an amazing invitation that here we have Jesus saying, come and connect to me. <clears throat> the key here to find peace 
and to find life as God has it for us to live is to be connected to Jesus. It's the most complete picture of kingdom life support in scripture. There's kingdom life support in connecting to Jesus. So connect fully with the fullness of God. Who is the fullness of God? Jesus. He says, come and connect to me. And he says, if you connect to me, you'll get all of my life into you. And through you, there will be the production of fruit. Now, one of the things that fascinates me is that <clears throat> we're called the vineyard, you know, and people often uh, over the years have thought that we run a grapevine, you know, or some sort of place that makes wine. Well, we do, but it's not the kind that the world enjoys. Hopefully the wine that flows from here is the wine that flows into our spirit from the, from the Holy Spirit. But <clears throat> a vine grows grapes how? Singly or in bunches? In bunches. Welcome, bunch. We're a bunch of grapes. We're a production of being connected into Jesus on the vine. That's why I believe we're meant to be in clusters all the time. We're meant to do life in a cluster. We're not meant to do life as a single grape dangling out there on the end of the vine. Make sense? We're meant to produce, be, be fruitful, and being fruitful, we produce fruit and we are the fruit that produces fruit, and we do it in clusters. So please, 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 please don't do it in isolation. That's not how it's meant to work. It's meant to work as the body working together. This is a key, I believe, to being fully connected to Jesus. The key is to renounce duplicity and be able to fully connect with the fullness of God. Jesus said it in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, he can do nothing. Why would Jesus say if? Because he knows us. <laughs> he knows that we would, might choose not to remain. We get starry-eyed with all the bright lights of life around about us. You know, we don't have Zeus that we go and worship. But there are other things that take a place of idolatry in our lives. Things like iPhones. Oops. Or games or things that take our hearts and minds and take them away from being able to be fully connected to Jesus. Now, there's nothing wrong with iPhones. I use one a lot. But it's a case of seeing how world shapes our world and when the world shapes our world it will take you generally away from Jesus because it's the stuff of the world that wants to hold our eyes and our heart just how it is that's how it is so if we want to receive the power and relax into God's holy life plan for us we need to stay connected. We need to remain connected to Jesus. And everything that comes along that wants to interfere with that, every thought, every idea that we can go and find life somewhere else, be it in sport or be it in business or be it in any kind of activity, be it for a good cause, 
If it takes us away from being connected to Jesus and takes us away from taking Jesus into that, then it is not a good thing. It may not be a bad thing, but it is not a good thing. In other words, God is saying, don't go and rely upon that for anything that's going to bring you life. Because it won't. In Jeremiah, the passage talks about digging our own cisterns, going and finding ways for us to find water. And when we do that, we walk away from the living water that flows from God. Those of you that know me know that I'm not a religious man. In fact, I'm very non-religious. I'm very into relationship with God, but we joked about it yesterday that I'm probably not very good at keeping the rules. Those that know me know that I hate red lights. I try to beat them. <clears throat> And there are other things in my life that, you know, Carol tells me, just look before you step backwards. You think the whole world has to be your shape all the time. I often step back onto people, you know, because my world is my world and I kind of get all lost in it sometimes. But it's kind of, I hope, generally, I'm trying to stay in this place of talking to the Lord. When I go for a run of a morning while I'm trying to, <sighs> I'm talking to Jesus. And the more I talk to Jesus, the easier the run is. When I start concentrating on the run, I feel like how old I am. There is a difference. You can actually run with Jesus and make it easier to run. Did you know that? It's true. I can prove it. <clears throat> I just look at the times I achieve some mornings. In the mornings I run with Jesus, I run faster and better. It's a truth. So, Jeremiah says, God said it's a sin to dig your own wells. Forsaking the living water and digging our own cisterns. We haven't changed a lot since Jeremiah's day. There are many distractions that take us away from the life support that is meant to be Jesus to us and we go looking at other things. You know, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me about when he said renounce duplicity was things that we might seem, think are harmful. Harmless, I beg your pardon, are not harmful. Things like um, reading um, horoscopes. Uh, things like... Um, Letting our minds be taken up by uh, mysticisms that are not out of the Lord. These are, these are things that we go, oh yeah, that's nothing. And everything you pick up these days, you can get a free horoscope here or something else there that's going to tell you what your future's going to do. I mean, it's bizarre. But we, we can go, oh yeah, I wonder what that says. It's so easy to get sucked into that stuff. And the Lord's saying today, renounce that if you want to have life in all its fullness, okay? Disconnecting through life, connecting to Jesus, can come about through escapism by going, I'm switching off from reality and I'm going to go to the movies and I'm just going to get lost in it. Now, there's nothing wrong with relaxing. You know, I've already told you, I'm not a religious person. I'm not anti-movies. I'm not anti-games. But these things can sometimes... We can go to them to find some sort of peace and satisfaction. Or at least I'm told that. Thankfully, I, I don't play any games. I, mean, I say thankfully. It's probably because I'm not good at it, so I never do it. But I, don't, I haven't been caught into that. But I know a lot of people are. And you go, oh, yeah, it's just this. I saw the other day where a guy had some Google glasses. And they're the ones that kind of you press a button on the side of the glasses and they actually, you get the internet on, on one eye thing. It's a new thing there in America. You can buy them here probably if you've got enough money. I don't know. But they're, they're Google glasses. And this guy had them taken off him. And he ended up 
in hospital because he had a breakdown because he, he couldn't play with his Google glasses. He was so addicted to these Google glasses. And that didn't take him long. His, his world got out of shape because he couldn't check with the internet on what was happening. And he just, you had to press a little button on apparently, oh, this is what I read, you press a little button on the side of him. But when they were gone, he, he kept doing this, kept hitting his temple because he was wanting to find it. It was such a pattern in his life already, just mentioning it. So isolation is another thing. That's when we separate from the bunch. When we separate from the bunch, it is not good. Now, sometimes if people are being squashed in the bunch and being bruised in the bunch, it feels safe to withdraw from the bunch. But really, it's not the best place to be. The best place to be is to stay in the bunch and let the Holy Spirit minister to you for healing. Disconnection from life is very, very attractive to people who are feeling the pressure of the war. And so we look for idols, we look for other things to take our mind away. The Lord doesn't want to take our mind away from the war. We're meant to be in the war, okay? We are there to advance the kingdom of God. Don't run from the battle. But in the battle, find the peace by staying connected to Jesus. Is that okay? That's what I believe we're meant to do. Jesus didn't run from any fights. He didn't hide from anybody. He tried to hide from the people that wanted him all the time, but it didn't work. And when they found him, he just, he ministered again. But he didn't try to hide from when he was on trial. He didn't hide from who he was. He just, when Pilate said, I've got life and death in my hands, and Jesus said, well, you know, only because it's been given to you. You know, Jesus didn't run from the battle. He knew that he was in this battle. He knew that he was going to go to the cross. He knew that he was going to be killed in the flesh. And he knew he was going to trust the Father for what happened beyond that. It's a pretty interesting struggle. So, receive the power through the vine and then relax in his love plan. And rejoice in his companionship. And rejoin the bunch. Rejoin the life and the freedom moment by moment, day by day. Jesus delivers via the Holy Spirit as we stay fully connected to him. You are made for so much more. Yes, you are. I just want to share, the other day I got pulled up at an RBT, random breath test. I love that now because I don't drink. Um, 27 years ago, if I'd have been pulled up, I'd have been going, oh, I hope I'm all right. But it was 20, I realised as this bloke stuck it in the window, he said, you've been drinking? I said, not for 27 years. And he laughed and he said, he said, that's the record. He said, I had a bloke the other day that told me he hadn't had a drink for 22 years. I said, 27. And then it made me think about what God had done to me and with me over this time. And made me reflect on the journey of made for so much more. See, when I was... Uh, 15, 16, my world <clears throat> got turned on its head because my father decided that he wanted to go and live with other people other than my mother and my brother and I. And he just walked out. And it just sort of turned our world upside down. And uh, it meant that I had to go and get a job when I wanted to stay at school. And things changed dramatically. 
But at that moment, <clears throat> well, in the first six months of the trauma of that, and it was pretty traumatic for me at that time, I was the older of the two boys, my brother and I in the family, and mum was not doing too well in that time. I had to really draw close to the Lord. And um, I remember I had a little plastic Sunday school thing on my wall that said, God is love, you know, probably cost a penny in those days. <clears throat> and I used to look at it, that was all that was on my wall. I used to look at it when I go to sleep at night and say, thank you that you are love, Lord. Um, right now I'm not feeling it too much, but I know that's who you are. And I had a season of growing closer to the Lord. And then within <clears throat> uh, about nine months of that, I was sharing my story with uh, some young people at a youth camp that I went to. And about 16 young people gave their lives to the Lord. And it was like, oh, okay, God, well, are you saying you want me to talk about you to people? And there was this real sense of yes from the Lord. And um, I didn't know Carol at that stage. Um, I, I was in the country and she was living in Brisbane. And apparently her Sunday school teacher was at that camp. Is that who it was, your Sunday school teacher? Yeah. And he came back and he said to Carol, I, I, there was this young guy at the camp and, and God just did some amazing stuff. And that was the conversation. And then 12 months later, I moved to Brisbane, or 15 months later, <clears throat> and I met Carol and, uh, at, a, at a youth group. And, and then this guy said, Carol, that's the guy I was telling you about. Oh, sorry, before that, I've got to back up. Before that, as I arrived at this youth group event on the night, I had a car, which had a bit of space in it, and that's why I went, because they needed cars to take people places. You know, I wasn't connected to that youth group. I just moved from the country. <clears throat> and Carol heard me talking to some people across the road. I hadn't seen her. She hadn't seen me. And she said, he can talk. I'm going to marry that man. Not because I could talk. I don't think that was the thing, but that was... Uh, there were lots of other people around that were talking. But it was one of those God things. And then after that, Jim, who was the name of this other guy, said, that's the guy I was telling you about. And so that began a very tumultuous dating, courting, engagement period because both of our mothers were on their own. Neither of them wanted us to get married. We were 18 and 17, respectively, and we were 21 when we got married. That was a tough few years. That's a whole other story. I won't go there because I've shared some of it with some of the guys at different times. But God was on us and in it. When Carol handed me the ring back one night, I said, no, I'm not taking it back. And I drove down the road and drove back and gave it back to her. I said, God said we've got to get married. She said, he did not. I said, well, that's too bad. We're going to get married. <laughs> we, had that, we had that kind of relationship. That's 46 years ago, is it? Or seven? 46 or 47 years anyway. And we've made it because of the goodness of God and Carol's love for me. And, and I've tried to love her back. But the thing is that in this journey of 27 years, as I went back from when I, from now, back 27 years, the Lord was talking to me about what happened in the 27 years before that. Well, not quite that many, but this journey through growing up as a Christian and being very much belonging to the Lord and getting it wrong many times, but depending on the grace of God. And we came to a place where 
27 years ago, I went to a vineyard conference and that's when the Lord turned me upside down again. That's when he said to me, David, as I walk forward, very, no duplicity, Lord, that wasn't the word I used, but I'm coming forward, I want to connect to you, I want to connect to your power, I want to get into your love plan, Lord, I want to rejoice in the companionship, Lord, anything you want. And he said, David, I want you to stop drinking any more alcohol. I was like, hang on a second, Lord, that's not on the agenda. Anything you want, Lord, but you know I like a cold beer on a hot day and a glass of wine for lunch, so anything you want, Lord. He said, David, I want you to stop drinking any more alcohol. I said, but Lord, and this, this is how crazy we get sometimes when duplicity wants to hold our heart. I started quoting scripture to the Lord. How dumb is that? He wrote it. He knows it. And I'm saying, but Lord, your word says, now it's okay to do that in circumstances, but I'm saying, you said, take a little wine for the stomach's sake. And da, 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 da. Anyway, and you made wine at the wedding feast. And so it can't be bad. He says, not bad. You just ask me if there's anything I want. And I want you to stop drinking any more alcohol. Oh. So I didn't answer him. And that's an okay thing to do when you know it's kind of like, this is a serious thing I've got to decide here. That's why I said to you at the start of this morning, it's a serious morning. God's going to ask you to renounce duplicity at the end of this message, if you want to. And so the Lord said to me, that's what I've asked. So I went home and I rang Carol. I was in Canberra, she was back here. And I said, honey, guess what happened to me tonight? And she said, well, what? And I said, the Lord asked me to stop drinking any more alcohol. She said, are you going to say yes or no? I said, I didn't want that. I wanted some empathy, you know, like some sympathy. It's okay, isn't it? It's all right. Don't worry, David. It'll be fine. You know, you can see why God put us together, can't you? So anyway, I went, oh, all right. Well, thanks, darling. Good night. And I went to bed. I had a great sleep. No bother. The next morning, got out of bed and I'm in the shower and I said, Lord, if it's that important to you, all right. That was it. And I haven't had a drink since then. Because that was the Lord inviting me into something that started something. Now what he started was he started to undo my life. At that point I had my life nicely sorted, nicely organised. Married, happy family, lots of money, owned a good business, it was fine. And then the Lord started to undo me. The one thing he didn't undo for which I'm very thankful for was my family. But he's undone everything else. And he woke me this morning and reminded me of an event which I therefore will share with you. In 1990, I was in the Uniting Church and there's two steps to this, I'll, I need to hurry up. But the Uniting Church, had I was part of the Uniting Church and I, I was filling a role as the um, consultant in discipleship for the Queensland Uniting Church as an honorary role because I was running a business and I just used to do that as a sideline. You know, the church asked me to do it. I felt like the Lord said to and I had the time to go and do stuff and so I was in that and they sent me over, they, they invited me to go um, to a conference in Atlanta, uh, World Evangelism Institute um, at Atlanta University, at Emory University and, and I went to that and there's a whole lot of other stories about that but what flowed out of that was the Lord then said to me I want you to go and pray for people and, and, and go around the world a half a dozen times and we could afford it it was not a problem I was being obedient and it was my life at that time was primarily in rating obedience trust and peace obedience was first trust was second and peace was third that was probably how it worked in my life at that time 
So if God said, I did, and I then said, you better back me in this, Lord, because you said and I'll do it, but there wasn't always peace in it. So during this season of the Lord dealing with me, I was also journeying for the seven years from 87 to 94 with the vineyard. I was learning about the things of the kingdom of God. Been a Christian all my life, taught, preached, understood God, had a very comfortable theological paradigm, and then God just kept going, <coughs> brought me around to understanding more about the kingdom of God. And then he said, you can plant a church. I want you to plant a church. But during that journey, and this is what the Lord reminded me of in the night, one stage I invited someone that I met at that Atlanta conference to go to a, a vineyard conference in Edmonton, Canada. This person was a minister in the United Church of Canada. And I said, again, no problem with resources. I'll fly to Edmonton. I'll meet you there so that you get to go to this conference. So I flew to Canada, landed in LA, sitting at the airport, jumped on a plane. And guess who's sitting? I was traveling business class. There were only two other people in business class. One was John Wimmer and the other was his son. And so I had a chat to John all the way from Los Angeles to, we landed first in Calgary. And so we had a couple of hours, we talked a lot of stuff. It was just one of those God beautiful times. Anyway, so we landed Calgary and he and Sean got off the plane to go and um, go to the loo or do something, I don't know. Anyway, they're shutting the door to take off Calgary to Edmonton. And I said to the hostie, I said, hang on, don't do that. There's two other people got to catch this plane and he's got to be in it, on it because he's talking at a conference I'm going to in Edmonton. So don't shut the door. About three or four minutes later, John, who was fairly heavy in those days, come down. <gasps> we made it. I said, yeah, they were going to lock you out. But I told them that you had to speak, so they had to let you on. And, and that was, and he said, come and see us at the conference. Have a chat. Anyway, that... That's another part of the story. But while I was at the conference, and this is the important thing, because it changed my life in a way that I didn't expect. In worship one day at the conference, I felt like the Lord said, are you willing to give me everything? I said, sure, Lord. He said, David, and it was kind of like, David, are you willing to give me everything? And, and it wasn't, and I said, well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and then um, he said, I don't mean your family because you've already given me your family, but I mean everything else of you. Who you are, what you do, what you have. Will you give it all to me? I said, sure, that's okay, Lord, I can do that. And the, and the mental picture, which you may not want to receive, was I, I stripped down and laid everything before the Lord. And the thing that was on the top of all my clothes was my wallet, which had all my identification in it and all my worldly wealth in it. And the Lord said, thanks, David. And then after a little while, he gave it back to me. And I thought, oh, that's done. That deal's done. Well, I'm at the stage where the Lord has taken it all away. He hasn't yet given it back to me. And so in me renouncing everything but the Lord, he has taken away all my money, all my superannuation, my house, my car. Well, I've still got a car. Thank you, Lord. Uh, it's your car. Yeah, well, we, we still have a car. I get to borrow it. And the other one I drive is, is a gift from somebody else to drive. And yet I have right now come to the place where I have never been more peaceful in my heart. 
Yeah, crazy, isn't it? It seems crazy, but it is an actual fact. I don't care whether the share market goes up and down. It doesn't affect my superannuation. I haven't got any. That's one less thing to worry about. I'm, I'm not trying to create here some sense of... Um, this, this isn't an invitation to, to you to be like I am. But I'm saying this is what it was for me, okay? This is what it was for me. But when you say to the Lord, Lord, I just want you and only you, he's, he takes that seriously. But this is the benefit. I can relax in his love plan. I can rejoice in his companionship. I live moment by moment with life and freedom. I've discovered that he does life in clusters. There are people in this fellowship who have blessed me with money when I needed it. I used to give money away like water. We had plenty of it. We didn't have any problem giving people money. Never thought I'd ever need it. I never thought I'd never be the other end of that equation. There's a prophetic guy called Bob Hazlitt I met in in um, Berlin a couple of years ago that's the other part of the story I mean people have blessed me with tickets to travel around the world while I've been broke thank you Lord I go to Berlin to a conference and I meet Bob Hazlitt prophetic guy from America and he said the Lord says you've got to learn to receive I said yeah really he said yeah he said the Lord said that you've been you're very good at giving he loves your heart but you've also got to learn to receive. Ah, okay, I'm, I'm up for that. Yeah, sure, it'd be really, really nice, you know. He said, you've got to hear me, David. I'm saying, yeah, I'm hearing you. Like, God says something, I go, yeah. And he says, you've got to hear me. It's like, I thought I heard you, Lord. But there's sometimes a hearing and a knowing, you know. And it's the other part of it that I sometimes miss. I disconnect from here to here. But God says, when God says, I really mean it. It's like, yeah, yeah. No, okay, Lord, I got it, I got it. And it was like, you've got to learn to receive. And what the Lord was saying is, I've got to learn to stay connected to receive from him all that he's got for me so that I can be all that he wants me to be. And that is the key, staying connected to him so that I can receive from him. It's not receiving dollar bills in the mail, it's receiving from him. Now, it might have that attached to it. I'm not discounting that. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. But it's receiving from him so that I can be much more than I am now I am much more than I was when I had more of the world you see there is no comparison for me in my life two years ago the Lord said there's two things I want you to do David I want you to start another business at 66 however old I was and and I want you to do that in business and that in ministry. Two, he said, the two names, there they are, two things. I said, okay, Lord. And so I've just done that. Now, it's starting to, there's enough, there's enough. But if ever you needed to understand how it was like in the desert with the manna and the meat, that's how God wanted me to live for a season so I could understand that it was receiving all that I have from him and I want to tell you my friends it has done things to me 
It has done things to me. It has given me a heart for other people that's bigger than I had before. For people that don't have anything, I, I can get closer to where they're at. For people that have plenty, I've been there. I understand that. So God's given me an appreciation of people across the spectrum that I wouldn't have otherwise had. And now, where I said it was obedience, trusting and peaceful, it's now peaceful, trusting, obedience, all on the same line. It just is God and it is good. No duplicity, only him. Is there a, there it is. You and I are made for so much more. Engage fully and only with Jesus as the way, the truth and the life. John 14 verse 6. Today and every day. My theory is renounce duplicity to truly live. So I haven't given you that real rev up about how good it is. <clears throat> the invitation is offered and I really, really mean this seriously. This isn't because somebody else stands up, you need to. This isn't about everybody standing up. This is about if God has spoken to your heart and challenged you about maybe you've allowed yourself to be somewhat disconnected from Jesus and the invitation today is to say, I don't want that. I want to be fully connected to you, Jesus. I want to be fully who you want me to be, Jesus. I want to receive fully what you have for me, Jesus. I want to receive all that you have. I want to be connected fully to you, Jesus. That's the invitation. And with your mouth, you need to, I believe, say, I renounce duplicity. And then whatever that duplicity is, is between you and the Lord. That's not to be necessarily spoken out. But if you want to say, I renounce duplicity, I want to come into a full connection and I want to let you, Lord, be all that I have coming from you.